Well, good morning. Thank you for being here. I feel like we've already had church today. Uh, maybe we could just leave and go to lunch so we get there early before everybody else. And um, you've blessed me just by your worship and participation. And um, I'm honored to be here with my wife here today. And we are so thankful for your prayers. Um, you do not know how much that means to us, uh, prayer. A lot of times what we say is, is I wish I could do something for you, but I'll pray. Uh, and it should be the opposite. Prayer is what we should lead off with uh, before we do anything else. I, I love the old statement of Oswald Chambers, prayer doesn't lead you to the work, but prayer is the work. And uh, so I'm thankful for you as brothers and sisters that would pray for uh, my wife and me. And I'm honored. Um. We're in the middle of a series today uh, called But God, But God, and uh, today we come across a passage of scripture that in the book of Jonah, and if you've ever heard of church or been in church for a little length of time, you've heard of the story of Jonah. And I don't know about these phrases, but God, but if you've heard this before, but the phrase, but God has been written 45 times in the Word of God. And then there's another phrase, but the Lord, another 60 times. When we see these phrases in the Bible, we really need to pay attention to them because something is either about to happen or something has happened when it comes to our relationship with God. Today, the title of the message is, and what we're going to focus on today is, uh, You Can Run But God. I'm not a runner. Maybe you can tell that by the way I look, but just uh, move on from that. But I'm not a runner. I don't know much about running. My wife runs and I used to run a little bit. And every time I run, I think this is stupid. I'm going to stop running. (laughs) But I'm not a runner. I'm not an expert with running. But I know if you're constantly running without any breaks, if you're constantly running without energy, uh, is your energy is depleted and you can even damage your body if you continue to run without getting uh, more energy for your body. And I believe that the, the metaphor of running and jogging and being a marathon runner, we can actually even compare to the spiritual world. And I want to just say this to you before I get started today. Uh, I thank uh, Pastor Doug for his friendship. And uh, I know you're praying for him and his wife and his family. I hope you'll continue to pray for them. And I believe God uh, brings people in your life at intersection moments of your life. I believe Doug has been that to me and my family. And today I hope that I can be that to you for a moment. God, in his sovereignty, he put us all in this room, and he's intersecting our lives. And I don't know why I just feel compelled to say that before I keep going, that the Spirit of God, I believe, is moving in this place today. And you don't know me, and I don't know you, and we may never see each other on this side of heaven again, but I will say this, that God appointed this time. If you're a guest this morning, it's your first time. For some reason, God brought you here today when everybody is wearing camp t-shirts. If you've been here for the length of the history of this church, God has brought you here today to intersect us in this time and this moment to talk about running. And I believe we can compare this to the spiritual side of life just as Jesus followers. When we run away from what God has called us to, it's depleting. I can tell you by experience, it's exhausting. And it damages your soul. It leaves you empty. It leaves you emotionless. Maybe that's you this morning where you sat while all the worship was going on and so much emotion, but you felt nothing. 
And I want to invite you into this room to say it's okay for you right now to feel nothing. But when you run from God and you you run from the ways of God, what happens is is it damages your soul. It damages your faith. It damages uh, who you really should be when it comes to being a Jesus follower. Jonah ran from the assignment God had given us. God had given him. And in Jonah chapter number one, I want to read this passage of scripture. Verse number one, it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because their evil has come before me. You see, the word of the Lord came. God came into the presence of Jonah and gave him an assignment. And when he gave them that assignment, here is the response of Jonah. Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. That was the response when it came to God speaking to Jonah. What happened was, is Jonah's response to him was, I'm going to leave your presence. Now we can judge this passage of scripture. We can look at this passage of scripture and say, what other sign does Jonah need? The presence of God comes to him and tells him to do something. And Jonah runs away immediately from the presence of God. It's easy for us to judge other people's walk with God. It's easy for us to judge other people's circumstance. It's easy for us to judge other people and and where they're at in their life. And we feel like we can fix it like an armchair quarterback and say, hey, Jonah, that was the dumbest thing I've ever read in, in any passage of scripture. God came to him himself and Jonah left the presence of God but it's easy to say that but when you're in the moment of fear and anguish and anxiety of life knowing what he was going to if he obeyed God then I think maybe if we sit in that for a moment we can understand why Jonah responded that way I believe the biggest thing that hinders us in knowing Jesus in an intimate way is one word disobedience We don't like to hear this word in society today and even in churches. Obedience and disobedience is a very important key when it comes to our relationship and knowing Jesus Christ. You see, we don't know God and we do not hear from him because we often find ourselves far from his presence. This happens when we choose to go in a different direction than the one God has intended for us. It amazes me how when I do this, I start to feel God left me. I'll never forget the first time I heard um, that my wife had cancer. Some of you have been on that journey that my wife has been on. I think all of us have been impacted by the C word cancer. For some reason, until it really impacts us or the ones closest to us, we don't give it much thought other than, oh, I feel so bad they're going through cancer until it hits on your door. And I can tell you, I became a runner the moment I heard that word. My wife has been the healthy one in our marriage. My wife works out five, six days a week and drives me insane. My wife eats healthy. I don't don't know how you can live on lettuce all the time in a salad. Can I get a witness in the house of God? But when I heard that word cancer, I never thought when my relationship with God that I would end up questioning that he got the wrong person to get cancer. I end up wondering why it would happen in the time that it's happened. I don't know if you're sitting in this room right now and you may feel that way about what you're going through in life and you can't control it. And so you're running. 
I tried to run from the news. I tried to control the news. I tried to do everything in my power to make it not be so. But you become helpless in the moment because there's nothing you can do with the word cancer but have total trust in God. And I wasn't ready to have that trust when I first found out. And so when you run, you start to blame. You start to compare You start to wonder why in the world did your circumstance not work out the way it was planned. I've tried my best to to pray. I've tried my best to honor. I've tried my best to live my life for you. And then we start comparing God's goodness to the circumstance of life, which is a big mistake. And then you feel like he abandons you instead of you abandoning him. You know, I thought about this. Why did Jonah run? And this is just my view of this passage of scripture, just relating it to me and relating it to you. Why did Jonah run when he had the presence of God? Write, write, write these down. Here's the first thing I think why Jonah ran. Jonah became his best counselor. He seriously became his best counselor. I think more and more than we want to admit, we often choose things that make us feel good instead of the best thing that God has for us. Simply because it looks hard or painful. Let me say that statement one more time. I think more than we want to admit, we often choose things that make us feel good instead of the best thing that God has for us simply because it looks hard or painful. Can I tell you something this morning? God's assignments never look easy. If you're looking for an easy assignment, it never happens when it comes to the ways of God. Usually when it's the harder way in our mind, it may be and truly is the path that God is sending us on for a season and for a reason. But often we get this idea because we accepted Christ as our Savior. We get this idea because we gave up sin. We get this idea because we feel like better than that we think the Christian life is something with a white picket fence and a dog that doesn't do his business in the house. And we thank for a reason that because God knows us that we're never going to go into any heartache. And when it happens to us because of the faults and fallacy of our way we think about our Christian life, we fall apart and we run. We run because we become our best counselor in our spiritual life. And we're cold today of the things of God because we've ran and we're depleted. The second reason I think that he ran is it didn't fit his worldview. It didn't fit his worldview. We all struggle with this. Have you ever just looked back and said, God, what in the world? Why don't they struggle? They don't even acknowledge you. Why are they prospering? Why? Why don't you? I I know a million people that probably should get this disease before my wife. Let me help you with that, God. You say, that sounds really mean and harsh. Yeah, we get ugly really quick when it comes to trying to preserve us. And it did not fit his worldview. The people of Nineveh were not good people. And Jonah, going there would be very difficult. I struggle when bad people seem to get a break, don't you? The grace of God can many times does that make any sense to me. When we start seeing God's plan through our limited lens of life, we will run in the opposite direction. When we start seeing God give grace and give love to people we don't think deserve it, we'll start being a runner away from God because we can't compute it in our little mind and we can't compute it through our lens. And so we start looking at the Christian life like it's let us down. We start looking at the Christian life like it's not fair. And we start looking at the Christian life that that my life does not even matter to God because he seems to be giving people a break that don't deserve it. 
And God's friend, through our limited lens of life, will run in the opposite direction. Like Doug mentioned last week, when I am centered on me, I'm always envious of they. Jonah blew it. You ever felt like you've blown it? How would you like to be Jonah? God himself comes to Jonah and and God speaks to Jonah. And in an instant, Jonah says, no, thank you, and runs from the presence of God. Better yet, how would you like to have a book written about you that's going to stand the test of time? And your testimony is, is you ran from God and Shamu swallowed you. But here Jonah blew it. Jonah should not be used by God. Jonah does not deserve now God's presence in his life. That's what we would think. It was over for Jonah. But the Lord. In Jonah chapter number 1 and verse, the latter part of verse 3, it says he paid the fare and went down. Here's, here's Jonah. He's, he's leaving the Tarshish. He's running from the presence of the Lord. He paid the fare and went down and to go with them to Tarshish from the Lord's presence. And then it says, but the Lord. But the Lord threw a great wind onto the sea. And such a great storm arose on the sea that the ship threatened to break apart. Jonah disobeyed and, and ran from God's calling. Can I just make a side note here? Every Jesus follower has a calling on their life. Every Jesus follower. Ephesians 1.4 says, Therefore, I, the prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received. Everybody, your life matters. You may never be on a stage. Your life matters because there's a stage everywhere you go where people are seeing who you are and they need to see Jesus in you because it may be the only Jesus they ever see. Every person that is breathing God's air that is a Jesus follower has a calling upon their life. And Jonah ran from that calling, but can you really run from God? Jonah was a runner, but God was a runner too. Many times we run away, but God's always running too. Psalms 139 says this. I love this passage of scripture. Where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Maybe you're sitting in this auditorium right now. And you don't feel the emotions. You don't feel the presence. You feel like choices have been made by you or choices have been made by somebody else against you. He's here. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I bake my bed in Shoel, which is the pit, you are there. If I fly on wings of the dawn and settle down on the western horizon, even there, even there, your hand will lead me. Your right hand will hold on to me. And as we look at Jonah running, but the Lord... But the Lord, I found a couple of observations in this story that I want to just share with you just for a few more minutes. 
I'd like to share how the Lord was speaking to me through but the Lord. Here's the first one. Dark times come. Dark times can mean desperate measures that bring us to the conclusion that we need help from a higher power. You see, when storms come, get ready. God's up to something. And Jonah 2, and verse number 1, it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. He was swallowed by a whale. He was cast overboard. It is over for Jonah. He was tossed uh, off the ship because of his disobedience. And God had different plans. And God used a storm. And God used a bad circumstance to swallow Jonah into his presence. And there in the midst of the belly of the fish, in verse number 2, it says, I called to the Lord in my distress. And he answered me. I cried out for help from deep inside Shoel. You heard my voice. When you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. And I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet will I look once more toward your holy temple. When we decide to run from our calling as a Jesus follower, get ready for a storm. When you decide to run away from where God's trying to send you, when you decide to run away from a hard circumstance that he wants to see you through, when you decide to make different choices that are not from God, when you decide to control your life instead of letting God lead your life, get ready for the storm. You may want to buy storm insurance or something like that because a storm is coming. And we get this idea that God is always judging. God is always judging. No, God is always loving because he wants to pursue you because he created you. He loves you and for nothing else, a relationship with him. And he uses storms. So we remember that there is a higher being. We remember there is a higher calling. We remember that there's something different. than just the circumstance in my life that I want to live in the presence of God. And I cry out to God and he hears you in distress. And if you find yourself in a desperate situation, the sooner you acknowledge you can't make it through the storm without him, the closer you will be to getting out of the storm. I think sometimes storms are delayed because of the acknowledgement of we can't do it. The lack of acknowledgement. If you find yourself in a storm, know that God has not left you. He's right there with you. He has not abandoned you. He has not not wanting you. Storms can be the best moments with your creator. Storms can bring clarity of your position as a son or a daughter to the one true king. I don't know why I feel like saying this, but maybe in this auditorium right now, there's something heavy on your heart. Maybe we're not talking about running away, but just this in this moment. Let me sit here and sit in this text for a moment where Jonah was swallowed by this well and storms overcame him. He may not answer the way you want him to answer, but he will answer you. And when we call in our desperate times, he hears us. And maybe there's desperation in your life today. Maybe there's a child that, that's gone away from you and the things of God. And maybe there's a, a, a split in a marriage or maybe there's a student in this room that you just feel like you're in despair. Let me tell you, desperate times when the storms come, he is there. He has not left you. See, when storms come, what happens is, is we come to the conclusion that we can't do it, but he can. 
Here's a second observation. God's love and grace does not stop our ugly in our ugliest moments. God's love and grace does not stop in our ugliest moments. In Jonah chapter number two and verse number eight says those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish and vomited Jonah onto dry land. Jonah acknowledged that he cannot do it. But also believed that Jonah in that moment acknowledged how ugly he was being and how ugly he was. Have you ever been around someone who's just mean? Bitter, angry. It's hard for us to even want to be in around them, much less like them. Have you ever thought that that could be you too? Jonah should have been canceled with the world standards. Jonah had his chance and he blew it. Why in the world would God ever use him? Jonah hated the people of Nineveh. Jonah was racist. You could say he was racist and very unloving. According to how we are to live as Christians, he was living the opposite when it came to the people of Nineveh. It's amazing to me how we live in our little box. And when God asks us to do something out of our box, we resist that. And we act like we're walking with Jesus, but God's inviting us into his activity. But we want God to come with our activity. And it never works out that way. And when we resist the calling of God, we can get really ugly. I wonder how many Christians today become bitter because things didn't happen the way they thought it should happen. And so we see in this passage of Scripture, and we see in this moment that Jonah, who was resisting the call of God, hated the people of Nineveh. And according to how Christians should live, he was not living that way. And the good news is God's love and grace does not stop when you are mean and ugly. If you're just sitting here today, And you feel the anger in you. The bitterness is overwhelming you. You know who you are. And you think you've got it hidden, but everybody around you knows because there's a harshness about you. There's a meanness about you. The good news is, is God's love doesn't stop. And it's hard to love an unlovable person. We like to pride ourselves today. This is the home team sitting in this room. It's easy right now to love each other. But when we leave here and we're out in the world and amongst what we normally do in our routines, it's hard to love unlovely people. You see, one of the measurements of growing in grace with God is you love people unconditionally, even no matter how mean they really are. It's hard to love an unlovable person. One of the most difficult things we can do, but God is the master of it. God could have moved on from Jonah. Do you realize that God could have chose someone else to reach the people of Nineveh? This is what I love about God. God had a mission and he called Jonah to that mission. And the moment that Jonah left to go to the city of Tarshish and leave the presence of God, God could have created some other way to reach the people of Nineveh. But you know what he did? He loved Jonah so much he wasn't going to let Jonah off the hook. Can you, can you just for a moment, can you just for a moment sit in that? 
And understand, as unlovely as you are right now, the choices that you've made, the secret sins you have that you think no one knows but God knows. And God knows and he still brought you here today to hear the loving message of a Savior who loves you in the midst of your unloveliness, who loves you in the midst of your sin, who loves you in the midst of darkness, who loves you in the midst of despair. And no matter who you are and how unlovely you feel or what you've done to hurt somebody else, God still loves you. You, Jonah. Man, let's not let's not move over this message today because you've heard Jonah, the story of Jonah, a hundred times. Because we can all sit in the seat of Jonah and where we become unlovely. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you've gotten to the place where you just don't care anymore. Maybe you've gotten the place where your heart's become hardened. Maybe you've gotten the place where you just don't pray anymore. Maybe you've gotten to the place where you just. Everybody else can just live their life, but I'm living mine. I don't know where you are or with your relationship with God, but even, even with your mistakes, your doubt, your anger, He loves you and does not think anything less of you. And here's the last statement Jonah did not let shame stop or imprison him from going forward for God. See, in Jonah 3, verses 1 through 3, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. So here came God again. So the presence of God came. He said, hey, I want you to go and reach these people. Jonah said, peace out. I'm not doing it. So God said, I'm coming after you. And I'm coming after you. And then it says in verse number 3, or, or verse number one says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. What class? A second time. God's in the business of second chances and third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances. If you're breathing God's air and you're not dead, God's not done. We get this picture that there was this one moment that Jonah had with God. And when Jonah made the decision to get up and follow him, everything else was okay. I was thinking of these students who made a decision for God at camp and they made that decision. They had a moment with God. But can I tell you, they're still going to struggle. They're still going to struggle with flesh. They're still going to struggle with the things that they've been struggling with. They need the presence of God. And in that moment, they made a decision for God. But guess what? They're not perfect. So when they go to your house and, and they do the same things that they may have made a commitment to do, they don't need a judge. They need a loving reminder that God loves them. And in his grace, he's going to give them another chance and another chance and another chance and another chance. And I think of Jonah. We think he had it all together. He made one decision. He made a public profession of faith. And he said, I'll go now to the people of Nineveh and, and help save them. And we assume Jonah never had any other problem with God or the decisions he made. And when we come to this assumption, we wonder what's wrong with us. We said and asked God to forgive us, but we keep struggling with the same sins. Can I just tell you something? Jonah still struggled even when he preached the gospel to the people of Nineveh. I mean, we think there's something wrong with us because we can't get over it. We keep getting tempted by the same things and we keep having. And and when we look and we judge ourselves saying, why does everybody else seem to be okay? 
We still struggle with shame and despair. We still struggle with anger and wanting to quit. We still struggle with doubt if we're doing the right thing or even if it's worth it. And we sit in a room like this where there's energy in the room to to sing about the praises of Jesus and hear the gospel message. But you seem to be struggling and it's okay to struggle. Quit thinking it's Hollywood when you read the Bible. There are people just like me and you that struggle with the same sin and struggle with the open door. When you open a gateway to sin, you're always going to have to watch yourself with that sin. Because that's the door the enemy can get back into your life. So don't you sit there letting the enemy think there's something wrong with you because you're still struggling. Don't you sit there and think that you're not as good as anybody else in this room. Don't you sit there and think because you keep falling, you keep falling, and you keep having to be picked up by God, that that's not how it should be and I shouldn't be used by God. No, 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 no. We're sinners saved by grace, and we all struggle with sin, and we want to grow in the Lord's grace every day, but we will trip and fall, and God's not looking down judging you. God's looking down waiting on you to fall to pick you up because you are his child and he loves you. In fact, the book of Jonah ends abruptly. Read it. It ends abruptly. We don't know if Jonah got... He he was still mad, preaching the gospel. He sat under a tree. He was mad and upset that they all got saved. I did my job, but it really stinks. And, and, And you know where the passage find at the end of that book that Jonah had it all together. Nowhere. Not knowing if Jonah ever made peace with the people of Nineveh in that book. It's not about perfection or feelings, but progress when following what God wants with you. It's not about perfections or feelings, but progress when following what God wants for you. You may be angry that God puts you in the storm with the death of a loved one. You may be wondering why God put you in the storm, no matter what the case may be, but you are going to struggle from your disobedience. And this is why you must follow Ephesians chapter number four and verse number 23. It says, and constantly renew your mind. We constantly have to have moments like this today as I talk about us intersecting together in this room. That maybe God sent a messenger today to remind you that you need to go back to the throne of grace. Maybe you get back into the web of sin right now. Maybe maybe you're discouraged again. Maybe maybe bitterness has knocked on your door again. And maybe someone who's hurt you deeply, you thought you gave it to God, but you keep picking it back up. At this moment, at this very time, God's created the space and time for you. At this moment, to remember that we have to go back to the throne of grace and remember that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I can't do this on my own, but an almighty God who can wash my sins away, can lift me up and pick me up and renew my mind again. Can I ask you, Christian, maybe today you just need the renewal of your mind. Maybe today you need to remember the goodness and grace of God. Maybe like me, the turning point in my life was the C word with my wife. was there was a moment where I sat in his presence and I had to remember the goodness of God. The goodness of a faithful marriage of almost 27 years. The goodness of beautiful children. The goodness of a life that most people don't get to have. 
The goodness that I live in a country, though it may have its problems, I get to live free. The goodness that he chose to to plant my feet. The goodness that he didn't forget about me. And the goodness of my salvation. And the goodness this morning that, that I don't have to go to an awful place called hell. That I get to see my Jesus in heaven one day. Maybe today, instead of looking on the wrong side of life and the wrong side of how things are going, that maybe God brought you to this intersection moment, and maybe God brought you to this time and this place for you to remember the goodness of God. I don't have to be my best to be used to reach others for the Lord. We get this idea that God uses people that have it all together, but He's in the business of using the most unlikely people. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, Instead, God chose to use the foolish in the world to shame the wise. I don't know how many days I felt like a fool. I can't you just get it together, Mark? Can't you have a day where you just get it together? You ever felt that way? Okay, I'm the only one. That's okay. You see, reading God giving him a second chance makes us think Jonah was totally over his failure. But he wasn't. And God still pursued him. Do you know that's the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ is in the midst of our imperfection, he pursues. He shows mercy. Romans 5, 8, the favorite, but God. Romans 5, 8 says, but God proves his own love for us. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And maybe you're in this room and you're having a hard time believing that. Our hope was not in the great worship service. Our hope isn't coming here together, but our hope is in an almighty God. Who sent his son to earth with you in mind. He laid his body on a cross and he declared that he was doing it for all mankind's, even the people you hate, all mankind's sin. It includes you. And maybe you're here this morning, you've never accepted the free gift of salvation. This is your moment. His perfection has covered our imperfections and he is God who loves us unconditionally. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today. It's an honor. Every time I stand on a stage and I get to preach God's word, it's an honor. But I hope you don't remember me. I hope you remember but the Lord. But the Lord, I would be beyond repair. But the Lord, I would be hopeless without a future. But the Lord, you would not want anything to do with me. But the Lord, I would have nothing to live for. But the Lord, I wouldn't see my my dead loved one again. But the Lord, the disease would erode my life and ruin it. But the Lord, that divorce would give me no hope for the rest of my life. But the Lord, my addiction would destroy me. But the Lord, the economy would ruin me. 
but the Lord, but the Lord. And they, may I say it from the housetops, may I scream it in your ear this morning. What this dying world needs is people who know Jesus that get up again and say, but the Lord, I would be in this there. But the Lord, you would look at me as a loser. But the Lord, but the Lord. And when you leave here today and you go to that restaurant, when you leave and go back to your workplace, and when you leave and you go to that rebellious child, and when you leave and you go to that non-believer in your home, you can live a life that says, I am broken in need, but the Lord save me. If you're running, it's time to turn around right now. If you ran and you're sitting in shame, it's time to accept the forgiveness of God and be redirected to a new assignment. You can run, but you can't hide from a God that loves you unconditionally and created you for a relationship. Would you bow your heads with me? Before I pray, maybe right now in your life, you say, I just want to show a posture of surrender. And God's speaking to me. I'm running from something. I'm running from a tragedy. I'm running from something because I don't want to face it. I'm running from something because I've sinned. I'm running from something. And you say, during this prayer, I'm showing a posture. God's speaking to me. Would you lift your hand as I pray? Just raise it to the sky. That you're just opening your arms, opening your hands. Saying, but the Lord. Father, I pray right now that you would continue to move and only the Spirit you can move. Thank you. Thank you, Father, for loving us unconditionally. Church, we're going to invite you to respond this morning. I I believe there's some people who need to have a belly of the fish moment today. Where maybe for the tenth time today, but where in a fresh and a new way, we just cry out for the presence of the Lord. And we, we're always cautious about inviting people to respond because the last thing we want to be is manipulative. Some of us grew up in pretty manipulative church environments, but sometimes I wonder if we've overcorrected that. I, I want to challenge you. There's some of you who need to come down and bow the knee right here this morning and you need to cry out for the presence of God. Maybe you need to bring a family member with you. There's some students here who cried out for the presence of God like you've never done it before at camp. Welcome back to reality. You need to cry out for the presence of God today, right where you're at. I believe there's still some some decisions that need to be made for the Lord. This morning, if you've not given your life to the Lord, we're begging you, stop running. There's some men and women in the prayer room in the back. They'd love to talk to you today. Lance and I will be down front if you want to come and pray. Right now, all across the room, I invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to sing a song that declares the greatness of God. This is your opportunity to respond. And I want to say this too. Some of you are in a storm today because you just happen to be on the same boat with somebody else's sin. You're like, this, this doesn't feel fair. And it's still an opportunity for you to cry out for the same presence of God. <laughs> the same saving grace today. Father, would you speak to hearts? Would you give us grace to respond? Would you move in this place as we make much of your greatness? As we declare how great you are. Give us a hunger and a thirst for your presence in this moment. God, I pray for boldness for some people who need to respond today. 
God, I pray for somebody who would say, I need to give my life to Jesus today. Would you so arrest them in their hearts that they can't not respond? God, we invite you to move in hearts. I pray we put as much effort in and running towards you for just a few moments as maybe we've put in and running from you. God, would you move among us? Would you stir our hearts for your presence? Stir our hearts for your greatness. In Jesus' name.